Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rotor World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined as always by Mr. Denny Carter. It is week three. All our best laid summer plans are already falling apart, Denny. We have more drama in the 49ers quarterback room, intrigue in the commander's receiver core, something that's never been said before in my entire <laughs> life. Uh, potential breakouts in New Orleans and New York, sickos that you want to talk about in Jacksonville and Indianapolis. But first, Denny. I was going to talk about a narrative where you've been trying to be out in front on. You've been trying to be a thought leader on this for months. I might have honestly even been years. Uh, you don't think Russell Wilson's good. You don't think <laughs> Russell Wilson's good at football, do you? Um, okay, all right. I'm torn because if I say this and if it, and if I mean it and it's true, then Pete Carroll was right He was right. all along. And that's something that you've said on this show. If we're if we're gonna pat each other on the back, I'm patting you on the back and saying that you you said maybe Pete Carroll knows what he's doing a little bit and said, look, we can't have an offense where Russ cooks because Russ can't cook. No. Um, and and <laughs> I like think, me with the big green egg that I inherited. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, you know, I think there may be something to that. You know, I'm not uh, you know, saying pull the plug on the Denver experiment i mean there are two games into what will probably be a many a several years long project there uh maybe with or without nathaniel hackett we'll see but uh you know russell wilson and that offense looks horrific uh like truly the 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 most down bad offense besides the Bengals, of course yeah barely outlasted geno smith or he didn't out he lost to geno smith lost. and then barely outlasted davis mills oh. at home and they can't snap the ball in time. Do you think the clock management stuff is more Russ or is it more Hackett? It's Hackett. Now that that that's Hackett, and and, and I know folks listening probably know this, but if you don't, the the crowd in Denver was chanting, uh, uh, counting down the play clock from ten to one because they were trying to help their home team Broncos manage the clock a little better. And this is what you see you see at a, a an NBA arenas. When a guy like Giannis is taking too long to shoot the ball uh, from the free throw line, right? At, at 10, 9, 8, it, it, it's humiliating. Uh, it's it's the height of humiliation. It's worse than the Bronx cheer, okay, in New York. Uh, that This thing, and, and they were booing, and Nathaniel Hackett said, I would have booed myself. It's uh, it's really an embarrassing thing in Denmark. 
I just don't, when I think about Russell Wilson, I have a hard time articulating what exactly he's bad at, but I also have a hard time articulating what exactly he's good at now. Right. Cause right. Like, he doesn't run anymore. Like you said, I no. believe yesterday. Yeah. Um, his deep ball is good, but it's like a really lofted deep ball. It's like a real old fashioned deep ball. It's kind of like an old Merino moon ball, except for the Merino moon balls would go 80 yards. These right. go like 40. Um, <laughs> Like like a Warren Moon, he's like it's like an '80s deep ball. It's not like an Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert delivered on a seed deep ball. Yeah, it's like a Moon ball, and I, I can't tell if it's like still good. So so his his one his one good play through two games was a was a a long completion to Jerry Judy in Week One against the Seahawks, right? On a bad throw. Yeah, that's true. He had to come back to it. He um, had to come back and sit under it like it was a punt. Okay, like it was it was truly like a horribly underthrown ball uh, that ended up as a long touchdown. So congratulations to everyone who benefited from that. But it was terrible. And and I have to say, what does he do well? Well, the one thing that Russell Wilson has done well over the past two years uh, is uh, post a high completion rate over expected. Right. He's always near the top, if not if not at the top. Well, through two games, uh, he's 17th in the league in completion rate over expected in line with Joe Flacco and Mac Jones. Uh, that's that's uh, that's alarming, I think. That is alarming. It's just something just strange has happened. I don't know if he's like maybe breaking down a little bit because he just wasn't the same in the second half of the 2020 season after he kind of went on that interceptions binge after they did let him cook in the first half of 2020. You know, 2021, he was all over the map because of the finger injury. People just kind of like disregarded that season, which maybe that was not wise. Um, yeah, and I don't, I just, I don't even know what to think about this guy anymore. Uh, I, I, I think that it's a major problem for for the Broncos going forward. And and I mean, you saw I, it even spill out into the betting arena, where you know books are giving free bets on Russell Wilson MVP odds. I mean, that's that's down bad. I was, I'm not gonna say he's cooked just yet. But the problem is he might be a little diminished and they 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 bit an apple off the Matt LaFleur tree and they did not get Matt LaFleur. They wanted a guy because like Aaron Rodgers at his best and like Russell Wilson are kind of similar players in that they're never like high volume. They're like really accurate, like really like like a lot of times like high depth of targets, uh, the, the kind of guys who like combine accuracy with like big plays. And like that was always Russ at his best. And like Matt LaFleur brought out the best in Aaron Rodgers, making him a fantasy, you know, top eight fantasy QB, an MVP winner, like the kind of volume totals that, you know, are not not nearly as high as you usually get from like elite fantasy quarterbacks. And Russ was always able to do that in the past. I'm not sure if that formula is viable for him anymore. I don't think it is. You're right. It's, it's It's not a viable formula. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, as early as this week, honestly, if the Broncos shifted more toward the run and became a more conservative offense the way that, you know, ahem Seahawks did it for many years with Russell Wilson. Say offensive consultant, Pete Carroll. Um, yeah. running the Broncos offense. Uh, so we talked about Russ. The real biggest news of the week was Josh Gordon, of course, being elevated from the Titans. practice squad. <laughs> and you're probably listening to this after Monday night football. And I, I just, I can't even believe what, what the old guy did on Monday night football. Right. Any. 200 uh, yards, 222 <laughs> yards to be exact. And that's a huge comeback for Josh. Yeah. No, he, I doubt he even got a target. No, he, he'll get four snaps. Then. We'll find out tonight. 
Uh, the real biggest story of the week, somehow, as always, is the 49ers quarterback situation. Danny, the 49ers thought they had made a decision at quarterback in April 2021. Uh, mm-hmm. But then it's just been a never-ending series of false starts, uh, you know, like setbacks, intrigue. Uh, they they wanted Trey Lance to be the starter in theory. Uh, but, yeah, it's just one thing after another. Now they've had the biggest rug pull of all, unfortunately, in a, a season-ending ankle injury. Thankfully not a compound fracture. The kind of thing he should be able to come back from fairly cleanly. But it, now, like, it's yet again the 49ers offensive car thrown into reverse. Like, if this was going to be, like, a dual-threat-led quarterback offense, probably pretty, like, run-heavy. I mean, maybe, like, early Lamar Jackson Ravens style yeah. Kind of now it's going to be anything but that with Jimmy Garoppolo. And just, I mean, I, the, I, the implications are fairly obvious, but just take us through what they are with the 49ers now going right. from Trey Lance back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, and, and you you touched on this and detailed it really well in your column today on NBCSportsEdge.com. Thank you, Denny. Check that out. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's no secret that this is good. It's a positive positive development for – the pass catchers in this offense who were simply not going to get by as long as there was a dual threat quarterback under center who was a going to be a threat near the goal line. And, you know, as, as last we checked the, you can only score one touchdown uh, per red zone possession. And so Trey Lance was threatening to take that away from the, from the running backs, from Debo Samuel, from everybody else. Uh, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk get a bump here if if Kittle can ever get right with that that groin injury. Uh, it, it changes the outlook completely uh, going forward, and you know for for the you know better. And, and I mean from a fantasy standpoint, Jeff Wilson over the next uh, maybe month uh, has a rosier outlook, I think, uh, because he doesn't have to contend with with Trey Lance taking those run, running plays. Uh, uh, so overall, it's good. I, you know, I feel, I feel for Trey Lance. I'm not saying that we're, you know, we're happy or anything. This is terrible, but uh, from a fantasy standpoint, these guys become much more viable. Yeah, if George Kittle ever unretires, this will be very, very, very good for him in fantasy. And like I wrote in the article, it's just like everything about Trey Lance's career is so weird. And like this is like, I know. have we ever seen a quarterback injury that like enhances a team's Super Bowl odds? Uh, like this, like clearly. It clearly enhances their Super Bowl odds, if not necessarily their long-term outlook. It's just like, everything about yeah, it is so, well, so, so, so Yeah, bizarre. right. I mean, now the Niners are contenders. They're contenders, but I also think we saw this approach max out last year. I mean, if they had any yeah. other quarterback yeah. in the NFC Championship game, if they had a quarterback who could have made just one or two plays on right. his own, they would have been in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I would say c- contenders – in the in the sense that they will they are among the two or three NFC teams that can get to the Super Bowl, um, and absolutely because you know, the, the, the NFC is crazy. But right they now. weren't they weren't contenders with Trey Lance, uh, no, and no. and Trey Lance is on pace to have honestly, like you said, the strangest career maybe ever for a quarterback, a highly drafted quarterback, a guy who didn't play barely at all in college because of COVID, who comes into the league, sits his first year finally gets somewhat of a blessing in the second year suffers an injury that could mean that he's he's no longer the team's quarterback next year i mean how, how can anyone sit here and say oh yeah you know he'll be back next year week one under center for the niners I, I i won't say that there's no there's no way anybody can be certain on that i think he probably will if nothing else just because of sunk cost fallacy and jimmy garoppolo will officially be off the books but 
He's going to be a third-year pro who, who entered this season, you know, 389 attempts since high school was the, the stat we kept talking about in the summer. And he's going to be a third-year pro who's played 263 snaps. Yeah. And that, like he's supposed to be a franchise quarterback. It is just – with the roster, like, built to win now. And th- that's the thing about Jimmy Garoppolo where is even in a wide-open NFC, they had an elite running game and an elite defense, elite p- passing game weapons, and it still wasn't enough for old Jimmy last year. I, I have to say one thing about, about Jimmy uh, this week against the, the Seahawks is that he had uh, he was top 10 in uh, average intended air yards per per attempt. So in other words, he was he was pushing the ball a little bit, and that's something we, we like to see. That's something that Brandon Ayuk drafters like to see because now Ayuk is much more startable in 12-team formats. I do wonder if maybe that was just like the Trey Lance game plan and they just didn't alter it on the fly. Um, Perhaps, yeah. Maybe not, though. It's it's such a strange – like, I do think, too, especially now the running the 49ers running game, never mind Trey Lance, is going to be weaker without Elijah Mitchell. Like, Jeff Wilson's fine, but he's not someone who you're going to orient your offense around. So I think it's another reason we're going to get more, for better or worse, more Jimmy Garoppolo attempts yeah. than we did last year. And there's going to be enough volume to support these fellas. And George Kittle, yeah, if you ever want to play football again, uh, my dynasty team, my family is starving. <laughs> Please family for our children. Starving. Yeah, George Kittle seems like extremely tough. So I just made him sound like not tough. I can't. Like, I can't even imagine how bad that groin injury is. So the, pro- yeah, the the reason he gets hurt so much is because he does all the dirty work. Right. I would I would once again advocate for George Kittle to stop trying so you hard. You got to stop blocking. Please stop, stop trying. What do you think Tyler Croft is for? <laughs> I mean, think they signed this guy to catch the ball. <laughs> I mean, haven't you ever seen like a good pass catching tight end? They don't try at all. They just no, run no. routes. No, one of them we might talk about later by the name of Evan Ingram. Denny, you're the waivers guy. You mentioned my column. Your column is waiver wired. It will be live by the time most of you are listening to this. Maybe not if you're listening on late Monday evening, but I believe. I didn't even have to look. I think I confirmed this. Your top ad at the wide receiver position, the, the the number one waivers guy I wanted to talk about this week, Garrett Wilson. He went from eight targets in week one, already good for a rookie making his NFL debut, to 14 in week two. He had 164 air yards. He turned that into eight catches for 104 yards and two touchdowns. Like all this is extra crazy because even you could argue he left some meat on the bone or he was right. still number three in snaps behind Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, but just like uh, a shockingly yeah. good game from Garrett Wilson. And just tell the folks, so Garrett Wilson is a priority ad, correct? And just what can right. we expect going forward? Yeah, I'm trying not to be too reactive here because uh, I, There's a I huge don't variable to, in New York. Right. I don't want to say that Elijah Moore is like the, the, the clear number two now or anything. We can't help but notice that uh, the routes ticked up for Garrett Wilson that he, the only reason his snaps were lower than Corey Davis and Elijah Moore was because they took him out on running plays. Like Which is, uh, you, that's like, that's what we want for Kittle. Yeah. Get him off the field. Please. Running plays. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And so everything looks up, you know um, he led the jets this week uh, talking about Garrett Wilson with a 30, almost a 32% target share. And again, had a gaudy target per route run rate of 38 percent he had a, a nice uh rate in 20 in uh week one as well it, it, it all suffice it to say this jets all this jets team stinks okay they're going to be chasing points they have to the browns one of the highest <laughs> i know 
they have one of the highest uh, uh, neutral pass rates in the league. And, um, and obviously uh, Garrett Wilson is going to be out there running a ton of routes. And, you know, th- something I think we forgot about, at least I did, is that he was a top 10 pick. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a top. It's not it's not like we were like projecting like great things for a, a second or third round pick. Like he was a top 10 pick and he has looked the part, looked the part of a lead receiver. I think, again, not, not saying you can't start Elijah Moore, but having more and Wilson, Garrett Wilson in that offense is great. Now, the one the one thing that could stop this Garrett Wilson train is obviously Zach Wilson. Yes. And so that's why I, I'd like to pump the proverbial breaks a little bit on Garrett Wilson, because if you dump all your fab budget right into Garrett Wilson, and then in two weeks, Zach Wilson is back in the saddle and, and, and looking the way he looks, <laughs> then, then you're, you're, you're kind of stuck. So um, hopefully Flacco keeps the job. I, I, nah, I think it's not well, possible. It's know. not possible. It's but, not possible. No. Uh, but I, I, I do think that the fantasy prospects for Garrett Wilson are way better with Flacco. They might do the same thing they did last year where like, Zach, just take another week or two to heal up. Right. And well, they give him two more starts by another name. But man, I'm glad. So Elijah Moore isn't the biggest impediment, I think, to Garrett Wilson, which is so weird because Elijah Moore, he's dominated two straight summers for the Jets. He produced with four different quarterbacks last year. Like he's clearly an above average NFL player already, but he's not a top 10 pick. He's not a guy capable of just dominating on the outside and down the field the way Garrett Wilson is. And I do think it's just a matter of time at this point before Garrett Wilson passed Elijah Moore. And I kind of thought that all along, just because you cannot ignore that real life draft capital. Yeah. Uh, so Elijah Moore is an impediment, but he's not the impediment where it definitely is. I mean, Joe Flacco has 103 attempts through two games. Like, That's amazing. Just like mind boggling. Yeah. I mean, who, whose plan would that be? <laughs> like literally, I feel like only the New York Jets could come up with the 103 attempt Joe Flacco plan. Something I'll have in the column, in the waiver column on uh, Tuesday, is that uh, while Garrett Wilson was targeted on nearly 40% of his routes against the Browns, Elijah Moore was targeted on 10% of his routes. Uh, so there's a huge gap in priority for these receivers. But Garrett Wilson, he could have to deal with the same thing Elijah Moore did. Last, or like Every time Elijah Moore got hot last year, there was like a new quarterback and he eventually got hot with that quarterback every day. Again, he produced with four different signal callers, but it is just going to be a season of stops and yeah. starts. I feel like for Garrett Wilson and there's a path to maybe being top 36 every week, but I don't know if there's a path to being like a season changing waiver wire ad, say like the way Odell Beckham was. I don't in 2014. I don't think so. Yeah. I, 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 I doubt that. I will say that if you're if you're good at receiver, if you're fine at receiver, I don't see like a a very compelling reason to go out and burn a, a, a waiver uh, ad on on Garrett Wilson. Like, say you have the top pick this week, you're good at receiver. You're, you're adding you're adding someone else. I, I I don't I don't think that you need to reach uh, for Garrett Wilson. You don't have to have him, depending on your roster. So Garrett Wilson is under fifty percent rostered on Yahoo. Uh, Chris Olave is not, I think he was 60 to 65%. So he's not available in as many leagues as Garrett Wilson is. But if he is, if, if both are available, I feel like, would you call Chris Olave a more of a priority ad than Garrett Wilson? Chris Olave, uh, he caught five balls for 80 yards, not as good as Garrett Wilson's stat line, but he drew a staggering 340 air yards, the fifth highest total since 2016 like an absolutely astonishing number via uh 
Brandon Gadula. Sorry, Brandon, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. That's it. You got it right. The only other receivers to draw that many air, over 300 air yards since 2016 were Mike Evans, Marquise Brown, Julio Jones, and A.J. Green. And it's hard to see this as a fluke because it's Jameis Winston, right. like the air yards king. Like 340 is not going to happen every week, but it's definitely going to be the way Chris Olave is used. Would you right. call him more of a priority add than Garrett Wilson if he's available? But again, Chris Olave is available in far fewer leagues than Garrett Wilson. Right. Yeah, I mean, look at not in my league. Twitter is going to be furious about. They're, they're going to be very, very, very. Furious. They're going to say, what you, "Chris Olave was drafted in the fifth round in my league." <laughs> we probably didn't. You and I probably at least was like in the third round. Yeah, well, I was going to say, yeah, he was the hundred and twenty eighth overall pick in the third round. That's the way <laughs> our our sicko leagues. Yeah, you're you're thrilled to have Olave in the third. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, look, uh, he's going to be volatile. Like like you said in your column, uh, Jameis Winston is volatile. Rookie receivers are volatile. He had a Alave had a twenty six point two average depth of target against Tampa. Seems high. Um, that's it's extremely high. <laughs> so, so look, he's he's going to blow up sometimes. Like that, that's great if you have him rostered. Uh, that that's great, and good luck picking the weeks where he is going to go off because I get the sense that the Saints are not going to want to do what they did last week which is just to let 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 uh, james no. winston cook. <laughs> and, yeah I was, just, I was glad you i was gonna make the cook <laughs> joke too and uh just this letting james cook is never recommended no they don't want to do that like they, they, they in fact they were desperately trying the entire game against the bucks not to do that and then the bucks said no we're okay all right we're done fooling around and then the saints had to so i i would prioritize garrett wilson over Lave. That makes sense. And yeah, letting Jameis Winston cook is one thing. Letting Jameis Winston with four broken bones in his back cook. Uh, but I will say, I don't know, Olave I mean, is going to be the better offensive environment. I think it may be the more clearly defined role, especially when Zach Wilson is back. I think like the spiked week potential will be better just because it's a better quarterback. It will maybe be a better designed offense. But I mean, uh, 22 targets in two weeks for Garrett Wilson. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's probably – well, especially just because he's – again, he's available in maybe twice as many leagues. Garrett Wilson should be the priority. But I do at least see an argument for Chris Olave. And, and the, the the Jets, if you look at their schedule, you you wonder, okay, when are they going to be able to establish the run? Because <laughs> no. they, they, they have a pretty brutal schedule against teams that, that themselves, they they keep the foot on the gas pass-wise. So I, I, I don't think that it's sustainable where Flacco is going to be dropping back 55 times a game, but – I, I do think that they're going to be among the past, most pass-heavy teams. And, and I, I, don't, I feel like they're a team that really should just establish it. And like, we're kind of regardless of game flow, game script, except that it's another rebuilding year because I just don't know what the Jets are learning by being one of the fastest-paced, like oh, yeah. highest pass attempt teams in the league because they, they, I guess they do have maybe the personnel except for at the most important position of quarterback. And it just doesn't seem like it's going to be – I think they need to be like the 2021 Lions is what they need to be, where they're run-based. They they set themselves up to take frequent shots yeah. on offense, but I, I don't think they can be this fast-paced 50-attempt team. I lo- Look, there are Jets. They're they hyper-aggressive. Hyper <laughs> they, they are a fantasy dream come true. They're going for wins late in the game. It's, it's really great. Uh, while we're on the Jets, I just want to mention this has nothing to do with the waiver wire, uh, but – uh, Brees Hall is posting really, really good peripherals. And as a Michael Carter truther from way back, I am afraid uh, of, of what's happening here. Uh, just just for an example, 
he has the league's fourth highest uh, yards after contact per attempt. That is a, a great measure of how effective a guy is uh, independent of his offensive line. So uh, stay patient with Breesaw. Also, the Jets running in. They were really into the Jet sweep yesterday. To one point, I saw ESPN New York's Rich Samini tweet begging them to stop the Jet sweeps. They had a Elijah Moore got hit for a loss. Garrett yeah. Wilson got hit for a loss. Braxton Berrios had two successful ones. But uh, did you for- see uh, last night? Aaron Rodgers was laughing at Christian Watson on a Jet sweep because <laughs> Christian Watson takes it and he's fast, right? I mean, he takes it around the edge. And he just runs head first into the first defender he sees. Like doesn't he doesn't even try to evade. Just bang right into the first guy. And and Rogers is like, what What are you doing? I what actually didn't see that? him literally lolling at his own receiver. I'm not yeah. sure if that's a good thing. Christian Watson, he'll never even try to find the edge, Denny. That's not no, honorable. No, that's I mean not, he he tried to he tried to go through and it didn't work. Finding the edge is not real football. Oh, it's just not real football. We have many more players to talk about right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football and Major League Baseball on the NASCAR circuit and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the 49ers and Broncos in our Sunday Night 7 contest. Well, that's how I just found out that Russell Wilson's on NBC this Sunday night. Holy Lord. Russ, you're going to need to... You need to step it up. It doesn't matter how he plays. I'll be watching. I only watch games on NBC. (laughs) Without exaggerating, I can say I've watched every football game on NBC since we reacquired the rights in 2006. So I watch a lot of football on NBC. And Russ, uh, I I don't want to be disappointed, Russ. Yeah, look, I wait all day for Sunday night, Russ. I do, too. I do, too. I do, too. Denny, Curtis Samuel, a player... Really, I kind of thought I'd never have to talk about again. Um, <laughs> but instead, he has led the commanders and target share each of the past two weeks. He has eight more targets than Terry McLaurin. He has 10 more targets than yeah. Jahan Dotson. As I said in my column, 
Um, it seems like he's like the perfect kind of intermediate target for Carson Wentz, a guy who doesn't really want to target wide receivers, but it technically counts as targeting a wide receiver when he targets Curtis Samuel. What is going on here? Is he a priority waiver ad? How, how is yeah. Curtis Samuel so, so thoroughly back in our lives? Uh, yeah, uh, right. This time it counts when he throws to uh, <laughs> Curtis Samuel. And uh, yeah, look, the A dot, the A dot is just delicious for PPR purposes. Okay. The average depth, depth of target for Curtis Samuel after two weeks, Pat, is drum roll three. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering if it was me one of those ones where you would say it was like negative 1.2. It's no, always positive. But three is after one week, it was 1.2. I think it was. And so now, now we're up to three. You know, we might we might get up to three point five eventually. But this is this is it's fantastic for fantasy. Like just easy stuff, dump offs everywhere. They're 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 forcing the ball to him in certain situations. He caught you know he caught an incredible touchdown by the way in the corner of the end zone. Got his you know head knocked off, and I, I'm glad that oh, he's that's okay. Right. God, it was a brutal hit. Uh, he held on to the ball. Yeah, I mean, from PPR, from a PPR standpoint, honestly, like I'm thinking about it. If you have to start McLaurin or Curtis Samuel, I'm having a hard time saying McLaurin. Well, it is getting into really weird. So, like, it's going to be one of those rankings nightmares this week that I just like don't even know how to solve. I'm going to have just no clue how to prioritize them. I might just stick with what I know and have Terry McLaurin, but I, I don't know if that's going to be. It's, the right thing to do it's just uh, right so it, mclaurin it, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt but mclaurin's usage is concerning because it's a volatile sort of usage right it's downfield right he's his his a dot is almost 15 okay uh mclaurin is averaging 22.2 yards per reception this is that's too high it's too high for a guy who we drafted in the fourth round of 12 team leagues and and so you're okay yes you are going to get a week where he catches two long touchdowns, but there are going to be a lot of barren weeks too. So Curtis Samuel, if I'm correct, is more than 50% rostered, right? So was oh, yeah. he, he was not eligible for the column. There's uh, going to be still some slow reacting leagues, some 10 team leagues, some family leagues where Curtis Samuel is available. Would you add Curtis Samuel over Garrett Wilson, Denny? I would. Uh, uh, PPR. Yes, I would. He's, he's rostered in 70%. Okay. Uh, and, and now that you've mentioned that, not in my league Twitter is going to come burn down our houses. No, they are. It's fine. They already have. Um, <laughs> um, they already have. We've re- we rebuilt. We'll rebuild again. Yeah. I'm, I'm right. I'm waiting right here. What are you waiting for? Try it again. Do it yeah, again. Yeah, try it again. Exactly. Insurance <laughs> covers it, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got great insurance. In fact, I make money if you burn down my house. Right. Thanks um, to NBC. So. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Kurt Samuel. Man, yeah, man. Carson Wayne. There's just a lot of. I, I talked about the tax evasion scam going on in New Orleans with Taysom Hill. I don't know what kind of tax fraud is being committed with Carson Wentz in the skill core, but there is some pretty serious tax fraud being committed here. There's so much time. passing, by the way, Pat. I mean, for, for Washington, it's like it's it's just great for fantasy. Like we have Washington as the fourth pass heaviest uh, in the league right now, fourth pass heaviest offense. And I'm not just talking about like chasing points against Detroit in the second half. Like th- this is incorporated into pass rate over expected, right? Uh, and they, they're just they're just not trying to run it, and it's very no. it's very cool for fantasy. Which is it's funny. Like this is they would rather become the pass heaviest team in the league than go to therapy and just talk go to like couples therapy with Antonio Gibson yeah. to talk to him about why they don't want to use him. Yeah, they'll just do anything 
other than using Tony Gibson, including becoming one of the highest and most unexpected pass-heavy teams. And Tony Gibson, by the way, 14 carries for 28 yards. Um, They want Ryan Robinson back. Real, 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 real bad. Then he had a waiver situation that kind of like no one wants to talk about. Like everyone has to talk about because it might be where the running back action this week is the Arizona Cardinals. James Conner seems to be truly day-to-day. It doesn't seem like he picked up a serious injury when he injured his ankle early in the third quarter, but he couldn't shake it off. He got re-taped up. He tried to get loose. He couldn't come back in the game. He has a really extensive history of ankle issues. So I I would say he's questionable at best for week three. There's a chance he plays in week three, but it's it's one of those waiver situations where we're going to be putting in bids on Darrell Williams and Eno Benjamin, even if we really don't want to. It's the way I just laid it out. I think it's pretty clear. It's not a situation where you're going to be blowing like a huge chunk of your fab budget, but just who would you prioritize? Mm -hmm. Um, How much maybe are we talking about spending here in the Cardinals backfield? Not not a lot, you know, because uh, Benjamin and Daryl Williams, the mentor, don't forget the mentor. uh, Mentor to me. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to split duties here, but I will say that I prefer Daryl Williams because a, he seems to have the short yardage, including the goal line role. He punched in a short touchdown against the Raiders after Connor left the game. Uh, we know that he can be a, a, a decent pass catching back. He's had that role in Kansas City for a while. Um, he basically split pass routes with Eno Benjamin after James Connor left the game. I would think that Darrell Williams fits the sort of James Connor prototype better than Eno Benjamin. I know, look, I know the analytics folks, they love Eno Benjamin. They love him they like a son. But sometimes it just doesn't happen that way, okay? Like sometimes it doesn't matter that he stands out in every category. Uh, it only matters what the team wants. And so I, I would think that that Darrell Williams will be, uh, you know, somewhat of a lead back going forward if Connor misses. And I, I, I was surprised that Connor's injury wasn't worse. I mean, I, maybe the team is not being absolutely truthful about what's happening there, but it looked bad. Like that, that look injury bad. looked bad. Well, and it's pretty – I mean, the adrenaline was pumping, and he still couldn't come back into the game. That usually suggests a high ankle sprain. That's what um, I thought. So maybe, maybe it's kind of thing where it, he doesn't need like an MRI. Oh, I think he is getting an. I think he did get an MRI. But it's, usually, if yeah. you've got enough adrenaline going, if you don't have a high ankle sprain, you re-enter the game. Right. Um, so it could be kind of a situation where even if James Conner is cleared and plays in week three, he's not going to handle anything close to his normal workload. And, oh, and I, I, both backs need to be added. I totally agree that Darrell Williams is the priority add. He's he's a pretty good approximation for all the reasons you right. laid out of the right. James Conner role. And you know, you know, got a little run. Darrell Williams even had the long run. He did. On Sunday. Uh, man, you were talking about a vision quest game, by the way. I had to cover that game. Yeah. <laughs> And it was the most Cardinals comeback ever because to come back from 20 to nothing, usually have to be perfect. The Cardinals came back from 20 to nothing and were still just making like endless mistakes, like endless mistakes. It was a horrifying loss for the Raiders. Like I I don't understand. Yeah. I didn't understand because every time red zone would flash to the Cardinals, it would be like another brutal mistake for the Cardinals. And most of them, AJ green, he dropped a touchdown. zone. He dropped the ball at the one yard line. He erased a big Kyler Murray run with a holding penalty. Another drop, I think on a fourth down, like it was, he, the guy is, he's just washed. I 
I feel bad for him. I mean, I the, the Zoomers will never know that A.J. Green was an elite receiver in the NFL. So he dropped literally two touchdowns, and I tweeted. I may have tweeted something a little you negative did. I, about I his saw. game. Yep. I may have tweeted that he was one of the worst players in the NFL now, and not really quite sure why it was necessary that I share that thought with the world, but I did. Um, and then he it's caught the two-point conversion, and I was getting a lot of this aged well. Evolved. I'm like, dude, like, there's nothing to do with how this one's aging. Like, did a- you see the previous – he plus he barely caught the two point conversion. Well, hey, I, I have you topped. I said that Tyreek was tired of being on the Dolphins. Yeah, uh, and then and then he caught two long touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you were really workshopping that narrative in our Slack chat too. I was, um, I was, because here's the thing: he was moping around for the entire first half. So he was, and he's don't worry. There's going to be more Tyreek moping this year, by the yeah. way. <laughs> I mean, let me let me tell you what Tyreek doesn't like. He does not like Jalen Waddle scoring touchdowns. I can no. promise you that. No, and it's too <laughs> like I think now. There's a belief a little bit now that hey, this receiver core is big enough for the two of them. Uh, but they were down 28 to seven when it became big enough for the two of them. And they're not going to have three touchdown comeback mode every week. We're going to see about these Miami Dolphins folks. And we're going to see right now in their backfield. And I'm going to go off script. All right. I'm going to ask you about Raheem Mostert. Is yeah. he, is he the priority running back ad this week? Did I read your column correctly? Or am I misremembering? Yeah. I mean, he's available in, in, uh, about 60% of leagues. So I'm sorry if you drafted him in the sixth round and you're raging. Right in my now. league, you went, yeah, went in the eighth round. <laughs> he was my um, keeper. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I can legally burn down your house. So I <laughs> per um, the 19th Amendment. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I covered that game. Uh, Mostert was the only Dolphins running back to see any run or any touches in the first two or three possessions for, for Miami. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> he out he out carried Chase Edmonds eleven to five when all was said and done. They split pass route running duty, um, which I think is significant because it's like, well, okay, Moster could be the early down back, Edmonds could be the the, the pass catching guy. It wasn't it wasn't like that. The thing that complicates this is that Chase Edmonds was by several measures the single worst running back in the NFL in Week One. Okay, left so many yards on the field per the analytics, right? I'm not going to bore you. They're never wrong. They're never wrong. Right. Ask Brandon Staley. (laughs) I I almost made a Brandon Staley joke. Who who is now Bill Parcells, by the way. Uh, And (laughs) he did. He became Bill Parcells. (laughs) So Edmonds, uh, but the thing is, Edmonds actually, he was good against the Ravens and uh, in his limited opportunity, 33 yards on five carries. he was this close to breaking off an extremely long touchdown in the fourth quarter. Uh, he looked explosive. So I, I, I don't know, like you're going to get most of Okay. I had the Dolphins starting running back. Awesome. And he's going to see nine carries. So I, I, I would be careful. There's no, like, there's no like uh, hugely important running back ad this. Week. No, it, no, there's not that, which is a good sign means there weren't many injuries. And well, I, what I think of the Dolphins is, Yesterday was just Mike McDaniel like officially like flying up the black flag of Kyle Shanahan and like this is how we're gonna run this <laughs> ship. And like for reasons discernible only to him, this is why this running back features this week, this is why this running back features that week. And they're like, we're it's far from a done deal right. in the Dolphins backfield. Then I, I do think Chase Evans will probably still have the most touches. If for no other reason than Raheem Mostert will get hurt. Yeah, but, don't don't cut Edmonds, by the way. Yeah, it's just this was the Kyle Shanning influence. 
Um, but then also you see Mike McDaniel kind of like trying to break loose of that and letting his quarterback throw for 470 yards. Whereas like Kyle Shanahan just died a little bit inside. I know. Um, yeah, no, Kyle Shanahan would have never done that. I, no. I, I, I promise you. Like they they were throwing on like third and inches. Like it was it was a, a, a pass frenzy. Speaking of how there's not many priority running back ads this week, you wanted for some reason you just in the show notes it said Seahawks backfield, <laughs> and uh, but, but the the truly sickening week two statistic I think maybe the most sickening week two stat was Travis Homer leading the Seahawks backfield in snaps. Well, and yeah. What do you want to talk about in the Seahawks backfield, Denny? Yeah. Well, we have. Uh, I look. I always want to talk about an ugly ugly backfield, and that's what we have here. That is where the zero RB value can be found. Usually, yeah. So. Travis Homer caught four passes for 33 yards uh, this week against the, uh, or I guess last week against the Niners. Um, he he played 45% of the snaps. Uh, he he bas- he took all of the route running work really, and that is a problem for Ken Walker, Kenny Walker, as Pete Carroll says, and Rashad Penny. Does he uh, actually say that? Yeah, he does. Kenny, oh. Kenny, we love Kenny. He's oh gonna be gosh. back. Uh, I always, whenever I do Pete Carroll, I sound like George W. Bush. And I don't, <laughs> I he sounds literally nothing like George I know, W. Bush, no, by the way. Any sense. Um, uh, he sounds like George W. Bush on Nodos. <laughs> the Zoomers will not remember what oh, Nodos is. So but. basically a West Coast W. Yeah, yeah, West Coast uh, W. So you, you're basically having Penny and, what's his name, Walker, squeezed into the early down role in that Seattle backfield. And that, that stinks. Okay. Like that, that's nightmare stuff uh, for those who drafted them. Uh, you can't start anybody from this backfield. This is, this is what I'm getting to. You can't start Homer. You can't start Penny. You can't start Walker. Can you start any Seahawk? Because you know, tra- uh, DK Mick has been under 40 yards back to back games. I never understood Tyler Lockett's summer ADP. I thought it was way too low. Then he had a horrible week one. Then he has a hundred yard nine catch week two. It's like, how do we divine anything from what right. we're seeing from the first two weeks of Seattle Seahawks football? Right. I mean, you know, DK Metcalf has uh, six and a half yards per reception uh, yeah. right now. Like, One of the most vaunted big play threats in the entire NFL. They're, they're just jamming targets to him like he's Curtis Samuel right now. And uh, <laughs> and not even jamming. I mean, I mean, Lockett now has more. Uh, more targets, more receptions, uh, more everything, more yardage. Uh, you know, th- neither of them will ever score a touchdown again. But it is, uh, it it is what it is. A very ugly offense. I think you can still start Metcalf. I I, I don't know if that if that Tyler Lockett thing, you know, from week two is something you can trust going forward. Um, but it's it's uh, it's a hideous thing, and it's it feels like just as bad as you thought it would be when you were trying not to draft. Seahawks yeah, I think that's what it boils down to. And Denny, thank you very much for reading my column. Did you did you catch the Geno Smith stat in the column? Yes. By chance? Well, <laughs> was it remind me of it? It was via the Elias Sports Bureau. Oh yeah. Geno Smith's eighty percent completion rate Sunday is the highest ever for a quarterback with a minimum of thirty passes in a game in which his team did not score an offensive point. Since statistics were first tracked for individual players in 1932, <laughs> so he had an 80% over 80% completion rate, and they didn't score a single offensive point. Right, Seems hard since to uh, since tungsten arm in 1930. Since yeah. Herbert Hoover was still president in the United States, uh, yeah, right. tungsten arm, I'm sure, was probably winning the American League Cy Young that year. 
Um, it's in his old Herbie Hoover. It's something. Uh, it's something. Yeah, he's gonna have us all living in Hoovervilles if he doesn't start passing better soon and getting some <laughs> some big completions to DK Metcalf. I don't want to live in a Hooverville, Gino. Please get the, get the ball to DK. And Zoomers will never know what a Hooverville is, right? Do you know what a Hooverville is? I actually don't. <laughs> so, yeah, after the, the Great Depression, look it up. You know, unemployment skyrocketed, homelessness skyrocketed. Lots of temporary camps popped up of just, like, people without homes, the unhoused, and they called them Hoovervilles because mm. it was Hoover Hoover's fault. Oh, that's a huge own. It was a huge, huge own. I mean, he, he didn't know. He didn't. Yeah, he, yeah, he didn't name them. Um, didn't see it on Twitter. Yeah, and well, yeah, but we're all, I'm going to be in a Hooverville if DK Metcalf doesn't start catching more passes. <laughs> but we'll be right back after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Don't forget to check out Matthew Berry's new show, Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry. The legendary fantasy football analyst is back with NBC and Roto World doing what he does best, rolling out his love-hate list, breaking down who to start and sit, and so much more. There will also be plenty of actionable information along the way for you sports bettors as well. Check it out weekdays at noon on Peacock or listen to the show in podcast form wherever you download and subscribe. Denny, this being a podcast that Denny Carter is on, uh, there's a few players that you want to talk about that just no one else wants to talk about. Um, one of them is yeah. Marcus Mariota. No, <laughs> we need to talk about Marcus Mariota. I believe you say he's the top quarterback ad of the week. I think so. Uh, take us through the reasons why. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and then this is tough. The tough sell since uh, a lot of people watched him just completely collapse against the Rams. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, he is he is valuable for fantasy purposes uh, only in twelve team leagues. Like if you're in a ten team, or you know, I'm not talking to you right now. Sorry, I'm not trying to be rude. But uh, so it's Mario's rushing that makes him interesting. He's logged 18 rushing attempts through two games. He has 11 design runs in those games. The third most among quarterbacks this season, and he has three rushes of more than ten yards in two games. That's among the league leaders as well. Uh, you know he can continue being a bad passer, and Arthur Smith's offense can continue not featuring Kyle Pitts and everything. And he, I think Mariota can still get there for floor purposes for fantasy. I don't think that there's a huge ceiling there, but I think that you know when we look at the Russian quarterback, we look at it him as a cheat code for a floor game you know mostly i, I mean Absolutely. lamar's different whatever yeah yeah, yeah yeah but but a guy like Mariota, 
150 yards and an interception and no touchdowns to the air, it can be overcome with with this sort of uh, usage. And uh, uh, so you could do worse in week three and going forward. I think. And that was a talking point we, we beat to death over the offseason that if Marcus Mariota was going to have any success in Atlanta, if he was going to have any relevance whatsoever in fantasy, that he needed to carry over this like more aggressive rushing mindset he displayed as like a part-time Raiders player. He would come in and they would basically be like, go out there and be Taysom Hill. Like yeah, just right, run right. like a psycho and uh, <laughs> be like Christian Watson. It's like plow into people. Just like do crazy things. Like you're, you're out there to create chaos and never, ever what he was known for in Tennessee. It was the most conservative dual threat quarterback you'll ever see when he was a Titan. That has not been the case through two games as a Falcon. He does seem to be trying to change the style of play that got him benched in Tennessee. And he's got a really good matchup for week three in the Seahawks. So yeah. I think the Seahawks have okay overall defensive metrics. But they are like bleeding yards. They're allowing like eight yards per pass. Like they just, they're kind of like dying to like give up the big one basically, or it doesn't seem like they fixed a lot of their issues from last year. Right. Um, so uh, through two weeks, no one is giving up a higher uh, EPA per drop back than the Seahawks. I saw a crazy stat too. I forget a stat I'd never seen before, even though it sounds fairly conventional. I can't remember who it was. So I'm sorry I'm not crediting them, but no team is allowing no no defense is allowing more yards per drive than the Seahawks, which is crazy because they have not allowed that many oh, points. Yeah. But basically they're they was kind of like trying to like bleed you out and like get you in the red zone and then just like clamp down in the red zone. It's I think been working so far. Right. I think the, the defensive plan for Seattle is to let you get to the one yard line and then to cause a fumble. Yeah. It's basically, that, it seems like George Foreman, Muhammad Ali, like rope, but it's like, get you tired. And, right. Right. And, uh, and really uh, hope that you fumble. Maybe even better uh, Rocky against the Russian. Uh, just, just get your head battered uh, to a pulp. Yeah. And until, <laughs> until the guy's so tired that you can work his ribs. Hey, you can't argue with the results. Um, you can't, or, no. And and don't ever watch Rocky Five if you want to talk about that. I've never seen – I saw the original Rocky. Um, I think that's it. I've never oh, seen – Oh, come on. I, I, I'm, I'm upset. I'm upset. Yeah, I'm a snob. I'm a snob. Wow. Wow. I also, I, I didn't have cable growing up. I'm, well, <laughs> I'm, you're radicalizing me as we speak. I didn't have, I didn't have a USA network growing All up. Right. Come on, man. You got to watch. You got to watch. Rocky 2 is legit. I mean, Rocky 3 gets silly, but – does he like does he like kill a Russian in one of them or something? No, no, he tries to end the Cold War. No, I thought I thought he like killed the guy in the ring. Does someone killed die the, in the ring in a Rocky movie? Yes, the Russian killed Apollo Creed. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on. Oh no, the, the, an American icon murdered by yeah. a communist. Man, where Top Gun avoids geopolitics, Rocky really was diving in head first. Went, huh? went all in, man. All in. Did go all in. We've gone all in on the show. We're almost uh, out of time. There's a few more players to talk about. Evan Ingram. Uh, I had to watch. I do endure the Colts Jaguar shutout on Sunday. Evan Ingram was popping onto my screen. He had yeah. a nice little stiff arm. A Steph Gilmore seemed like kind of running like a madman, getting some really low a dot. They're kind of like, we're trying to like let Evan Ingram cook as a yak guy. Yeah. Uh, what did you discover in the numbers? Yeah, uh, Ingram has exceeded 80% route rate, route participation rate in both regular season games so far. Um, his target per route rate is like 16%, which is not great, but it's uh, it's not horrible for a tight end. Especially um, a tight end in 2022 where like no one is breaking out so far. That's right, that's right. And, you know, he's being used in the slot on 37% of his routes so far. Uh, Doug Peterson's offense has 
traditionally been not terrible for tight ends. And, you know, Ingram has a profile. Like, you know, before he was bad, he was good. And I think I think the the Jaguars recognize that. I I don't think that this is a team that can ever be really pass heavy. I'm sorry, run heavy. Uh so so they they could pass more than we think. And that that could, you know, sort of artificially inflate uh Ingram's routes and and targets going forward. So like you could do way worse than picking him up and playing him as a streamer. Yeah, I, I kind of drafted him a few like my 14 team leagues. Just for a lot of the reasons just late. It's an offense that like, lacks reliable targets, so to speak. They just don't have many proven sets of hands. And Christian Kirk is now the most underpaid player in the NFL. But beyond him, they just don't have reliable places to funnel those targets. So I kind of thought Evan Ingram would get the targets. That is coming to fruition. Denny, before Cole Komet was bad, was he good, by the way? <laughs> no. Ever, has he ever been good? No. I'm no. I'm I'm stop <laughs> Cole Komet, man. I mean, two bagels. Two bagels. I'm, I'm really scared. Uh, it, it, okay. So, okay. Next, next offseason, we have to identify offenses that we don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. And, you know, because really the answer to the Bears offense, oh, where where can we find out? And the weather was so bad in Green Bay last night. I think the winds were out of the northeast, like four oh. miles an hour. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. The the, the fans breath was really blowing yeah. that ball. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, there are some offenses that we have to just swear off. We'd say no, no, no Darnell Mooney, no Cole Komet, oh, no, 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 everybody on that team. They're, they're turning my Darnell Mooney into Darius Slayton. And yeah, I, I hate it. I don't like it. Uh, Ashton Newland, someone you put on the show sheet. Is there some reason for this? <laughs> I love, I love how it's just like, con- like contempt. <laughs> uh, you, know, uh, hear about right. this. you got following this Ashton Newland? I'm um, following him because he's the Colts best receiver outside Michael Pittman. Uh, you know, he has, uh, he has eight catches on 12 targets this year on and by the way he's been targeted on on 12 of his 38 routes through two games he's bar- barely used uh at all in week 1 he was i believe the leading receiver for the Colts in week 2 it wasn't Paris Campbell who didn't get a target until midway yeah, through the fourth quarter not looking good for Paris Campbell uh Ashton Doolin i think is a is a little bit interesting in deep leagues in deep leagues now okay uh i know the Colts are down bad I don't know if Michael Pittman's going to be back. He he may or may not be back in week three. Sounds like he will be. Hopefully, Doolin is. I think I think is worth an ad. The team clearly recognizes that he can contribute as a pass catcher. He is like a classic. If you're in a 14 team league or a 12 team league with a lot of bench spots, he's commanded targets back to back games. Yes, you at least give yes. him a look. See, you give Ashton Doolin a look. See, I will. You're talking about Ashton Doolin. Why aren't you talking about Mac Hollins? Huh? Eight nah. targets for the Raiders yesterday. I think like played more snaps or something than Devonte Adams. That was fluky with that Adams getting 12 yards or whatever it was like, I, I no, 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 I'm not that sick, I, but, but Ashton Doolin, I am that sick. That actually was the test. Uh, we're no longer, we actually have to drop legal proceedings against you. <laughs> now that you said not to add Matt Collins, let, let freedom ring. Yeah. So your legal team is getting very savvy and sophisticated. It's really quite a shame. Uh, it's really quite a shame that I think the show is over. Was there anyone else we needed to touch on, Denny? Or are we, we done? No, I think we reached the bottom of the barrel with that. We have, yeah, that's right. They did literally just mention Matt Collins. So the show's over. We didn't mention everyone in your, your column, so please check it out before you get your fab bids in on Tuesday evening. Denny's waiver-wired column. Uh, just check out everything on the site. We're going to have everything blurbed up, more and more fallout from week two, including my column called The Sunday Aftermath. It's very dramatic. 
I need. I've been trying to think of a better column name, and I can't. It's good. Um, it's I like fine. It. Yeah, it's very very traumatic. But check out all that stuff on the site. Please listen to us. We'll be back later in this week from with more shows for you. Show coming up with Kyle Dvorak and Lawrence Jackson. Then we have our preview show later this week with myself, Denny, Kyle Dvorak, and Patrick Corain. Um, so thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. For Denny, I'm Pat. We will catch you later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.